I tell you, Van, did I ever tell you that when I was in fourth grade, my teacher was always talking to me about how maybe I should go to an HBCU? And in my mind, as a fourth grader, I had decided I'm going to go to Fisk. That's where James Weldon Johnson went. You know, he wrote the Negro National Anthem, The Theory Voice and Sing. I was I was going to do it. My sister ended up going to St. Augustine's. My brother and my aunt went to South Carolina State. I did everything except apply to an HBCU. So I ended up going to the University of South Carolina. But yeah, I keep thinking now that I've like looked back, I remember watching like a different world and um, just like going to campuses and thinking, did I miss out on something? I'm telling you. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you have. <laughs> I think I have heard as much. Well, you know, hindsight, 2020, always. This is On the Margins, a podcast about educational equity in North Carolina. We bring the often untold stories of education in the state from margin to center. Welcome to season three of On the Margins. I'm Camille Bostic, Director of Programming at the Center for Racial Equity in Education, or as we call it, CREED. Today's episode is a look at the enduring allure and undeniable role of historically black colleges and universities, especially those in the state of North Carolina. We'll hear from Minnie Fort Brown, a professor at North Carolina Central University and an HBCU alum, as well as sit in on a conversation with Creed volunteer Jasmine Aminiampong and her fellow students at NCANT about why they chose their HBCU. But first, let's swing back to that conversation I was having earlier with Octavian. So Octavian, go ahead and say hello to our folks. Uh, tell us where you're from and what school you go to, what HBCU. Hello, my name is Octavian Lloyd. I go to Livingstone College in Salisbury, North Carolina. Go Blue Bears. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so can I ask you, Octavian, since a little bit earlier you were saying that I'm probably 100% or so that I missed out on something, what do you feel like? you get out of going to an HBCU that maybe I didn't get? I feel like, well, I mean, I don't discriminate against color, but I feel like, you know, being around people of your own color, you know, understanding the culture, you know, because they understand what you've been, you know, been through. Because they always say you never know, never, never forget where you come from. Just being around people that understand where you come from, and understand your culture. People that look like you, you know what I'm saying? I understand. I think I've heard a lot of people say a lot of similar things. So thanks for sharing it. Thanks for telling me the truth. We'll talk soon, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Currently, there are roughly 100 HBCUs in the United States. These institutions all began prior to 1964 with the express purpose to educate black students. North Carolina has the most four-year HBCUs in the country. Creed calls this collective the NC-10. That's 10 distinct, unique, 
and irreplaceable institutions that have been educating black students since 1865 when Shaw University in Raleigh was chartered. Since then, there's been St. Augustine's, Johnson C. Smith, Fayetteville State, Bennett, Livingstone, North Carolina A&T, Elizabeth City State, Winston-Salem State, and North Carolina Central. The living legacies of HBCUs cannot be understated. When blacks were denied entry into institutions of higher learning, HBCUs filled the gap. Despite chronic underfunding, the institutions produce more STEM graduates, generate billions in economic impact. And as of late, even as philanthropists, corporations, high-profile athletes, and more draw attention to the nation's HBCUs, they've been at this work for a century and a half and more. I spent a few moments with our next guest discussing these very facts. My name is Minnie Fort Brown, and I am a Durham native. I am a graduate of segregated Durham City Schools, Hillside High School to be exact, and HBCUs. I've had my run around um, not only the state, but out of state with um, the most fabulous HBCU experiences. So I think I'm well-groomed with historically Black colleges and their mission and their um, commitment to Black kids. Can you talk to us a little bit about just where North Carolina sits in the kind of HBCU landscape? We hear about the NC-10 a lot, but in your estimation, what does it mean that we have 10 historically Black colleges and universities in this state? Yes, it is amazing. North Carolina has the most and has had the most, uh, in fact, 12 historically Black colleges. Um, Barbara Scotia and Kittrell. Kittrell is it, it ended its uh, college uh, session in 1975, but I've got a young lady who is trying to bring back Kittrell College. Barbara Scotia is small, but it's still considered an HBCU. I think they only have about 60 students there. So they're trying to come back. But we've got 10 very strong historically Black colleges, the most in the nation. And when we talk about the mothership, that's Shaw University. In 1865, Shaw became, Shaw was birthed. And that was the, the year that slaves were emancipated. So we talk about the amazing journey of historically black colleges from slavery, from emancipation two years afterwards. Here you come with uh, Barbara Scotia and Federal State, Johnson C. Smith and St. All, preparing teachers and doctors and pharmacists and nurses, lawyers, right after slavery, it is amazing. So that NC-10, is a rebirth of recognition and elevating the prominence of historically Black colleges. And I'm so excited that NC10 exists and that mission is being realized. I love that. And when you put it into context, I think for a lot of folks, it may feel like this HBCU thing is new, but 
you know, we're taking it back 150 plus years to the, you know, the end of the Civil War, start of Reconstruction, like the building blocks of Black education are at our HBCUs. Why do you think that students are still choosing HBCUs to, to this day? Because HBCUs are, first of all, welcoming. I looked at the strategic plan from the refresh from uh, UNC, the UNC system. And now that the state-supported HBCUs have all come under that umbrella, um, it says that one of the, the one of the first major goals is to um, to to try to recruit and graduate um, low-income, first-generation students. Well. HBCUs have always done that. See, that's, that's their plan for 2022 and beyond. North, North Carolina Central University, North Carolina A&T, Elizabeth City, Federal State, Barbara Scotia, Shaw, St. Augustine's, Johnson C. Smith, Livingstone. We have been grad welcoming recruiting, graduating, honoring, and respecting students who are first generation, not just first generation college, but first generation high school. When we talk about the commitment and the mission, the mission driven administration and of, of HBCUs, it's all about where we take, those are the students that we recruit, many of them. Uh, like I said, not just first-generation college, but first-generation high school. They are welcomed on our campuses. They are loved. They can excel and they can, they, when you come on the campus, you know that you can be anything that you wanna be. You can be a cheerleader. You can be Miss NCCU. You can be on the football team. You can be in the band. You can be a student government official. You can do research. You can do, you can be whatever you want to be. And so the possibilities are endless. And once you know that, see, you're not the only cheerleader on the squad. You're not the only gymnast. You're not the only basketball player. You're not you're not pigeonholed into some position. The hope is open to you. Everything is open to you, which makes it a beautiful experience. You can be a part of in and everything that exists on the campuses of historically black colleges and universities. That's why, that's why black children coming from all over the United States are coming to historically black colleges. That's why the prominence is being revived. Oh, I love that. You, you gave me chills. Like I wish, <laughs> oh goodness, absolutely. When I've been talking to students and administrators and alumni, one thing we often hear is just that students at HBCU say they feel like they are uh, at a home away from home, that they, every place that they encounter from the classroom to the yard, to the calf, like there are spaces of affirmation. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? And then maybe we'll loop in like why that's so important for retention, matriculation and more. Spaces of affirmation. You're exactly right. First of all, you're greeted. You are greeted with respect. You are welcomed in, from 
everywhere you go, from the cafeteria to the classroom to the theater to out on the street, your community is a part of your university. So people already respect your genius. It, it, there's nothing that you have to prove. You come in being recognized and respected as a scholar. You are greeted in that, in, in that way. You are, it, is, it is a humanity of dignity, okay? Can I say that dignity and, and, and respect? So you never feel less than. There's an equity that is embedded in the very fiber of historically black colleges and universities. So, so students understand that. So your, your professors respect you. Your, your, your opinion is valued. Um, you're called upon to, to do the research. You're recognized as, a, as an asset, as an asset. Um, you're not the, um, you're not the affirmative action piece, okay? You're not here because we had to meet a certain quota. You're here because we value your presence and we want you to know that. So we, we make sure that you, that you feel good, that you feel at home. How, how can we make it? How can, that's our goal, to make you feel comfortable in this setting. There's a, learning should not be painful. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging, but it's not going to be painful. And you're going to be respected in that. And if you need help, there's going to be somebody there to help you because your success is our success. I've been a professor for over 40 years. So my students, I see myself in my students, my students are, are, are my future. I expect them to go and do bigger and better and greater things. And I want to see them get there. I want to see them successful. They know that. Manny Fort Brown. Oh my goodness. Thank you. I don't know if I, I could have said it better. I don't know if I've heard it better, but I think you, you raised some important points just about the importance of HBCUs and this idea of respecting genius and having nothing to prove. I think a lot of students and a lot of alumni uh, will give it like a round of applause for having received that. Up next, we hear from some students and their take on their HBCU. All right, hi everybody. I'm Jasmine Menion Pong, an honors sophomore economic student here at the illustrious North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. I am currently recording for Creed Center for Racial Equity and Education. I am a volunteer there and I'm so excited to be doing this. Everybody can go ahead and introduce themselves however y'all wanna start. I'm sorry, um, my name is Joseph Bertrand. I'm a sophomore mechanical engineering student here in North Carolina A&T. Um, I'm from Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Okay. My name is Madison Burgess. I'm a freshman bioengineer student here at North Carolina a and I'm from Lake City, South Carolina. And proud to be here, too. Everybody, my name is Ellington King. I'm a sophomore honor student majoring in finance, attending North Carolina a and State University, obviously. And I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I'm happy to talk tonight. 
Yes. Can I get an Aggie pride? Aggie pride? We have so much spirit and pride here at North Carolina A&T, and I love it. And that's why we're here today with Creed to talk about HBCUs, the importance of them, and how they're an institution of choice because of their history and ability to affirm Black students, which I feel like is really important. So the thing that, or the topic that we're going to start with now is why did we originally choose our HBCU? Um, for me personally, I chose North Carolina a and because it was the first school that I went on a tour that I felt like was for me. The, whole, the energy here is amazing and I feel like it's constant. They say it's a big family and honestly, it really does feel like it. And I got that here when I was given a tour, I mean, I know my tour guide, she still goes here. I think she's in her last year. And I told her like, she's half of the reason why I'm here at a &T. The tours were amazing. The hospitality, the energy, like everything about Aggie Pride is so beautiful. And I feel like it needs to be shared everywhere. And also when I came to a and I knew, or when I was applying to college, I knew that what I wanted was impact in my community. And what better way to do that than to go to a school made for our people. So that's my reasoning for coming to A&T. Joseph, do you want to go ahead and share? Absolutely. Right, I would share. Um, growing up, I always knew about A&T when I was younger. Um, I came to tour in about eighth grade, and that's when I learned about all the like great engineering opportunities here at A&T. And then as I went through high school, it was my senior year, and I applied. Um, I got into the honors program, and then they invited me down for honors weekend. And that entire weekend really solidified it for me. Um, I was given a tour around campus, and the vibes and energy that's on that tour, getting to meet all the other students was great in itself. And then I was actually interviewing for a scholarship, and I was walking up to the academic classroom building, and I saw this um, black skater skating by. And I've skated since my sophomore year of high school, but I don't see a ton of black skaters even like being in Chicago and going to my like basically PWI school in the suburbs, my um, residential high school, there definitely weren't many black skaters there. But I saw him and I was like, yo, I like your board. And he was like, yo, thanks. And <laughs> I was like, yo, can you like show me a kickflip? And we just like talked about like Chase and he was telling me like there's a ton of skaters just around at ANT. And that, that really did it for me, going to the school and just seeing a ton of people skating, which is, seeing a ton of Black people skating, which is something I definitely didn't have around growing up. Right, and skater culture is huge. Okay, we have an added guest. You can share who you are, introduction. So, um, I'm Herbert Agbozo. I'm a senior uh, information technology student. Where are you from? I'm from Ghana, and I'm from Charlotte. Okay, Madison, why did you choose A&T? Okay, well, first I wanted to go to A&T ever since my freshman year of high school. Like, it's always in my junior school. And then it's great for my major, which is engineering. But when I tweeted, it was like, it was like, wow. Like, it feels like home. It's like safe. You be Black unapologetically. It's like everybody just having fun. It's like, it's just you want to be here in this atmosphere. It's like, like Jeff said, it's a family here. Like you just, yeah. And um, like I said, my major, and that's pretty much it. Okay, Alex. 
Um, so for me, my, I have an older sister that's four grades above me, and she was going to college fairs when I was like in fifth grade, and I'd be going with her. So I knew about a lot of um, different schools, and I'm from Detroit. So I, of course, I know about University of Michigan, you know, Michigan State, but also got to learn about a lot of HBCUs. And like at the time, I was interested in engineering, so the NCAT just always stuck out to me. And then when I became a senior in high school and I was applying to schools, you know, I applied to a and and I was uh, fortunate enough to um, be invited to Honors Weekend and part of like the Cheatham White and Dowdy um, program. And Honors Weekend really changed it for me. Um, you know, just seeing the rich culture at a seeing the pride that the Black students possessed, it, it really reminded me of home because in Detroit, um, you know, my schools really all Black, like, um, like really just really all black, like my elementary school, middle school, high school, it was really, it wasn't diverse. It was all black. You know, we all were pride, powerful about like where we went to school and everything in our city and Auntie reminded me of that. But also during honors weekend, being able to talk to some of the business faculty and like how I really felt like they really cared about me and I wasn't just a number that really sealed the deal for me. Right. That's really important. Not feeling like a number, like, I don't feel like a number here. I, I feel like a student, a able student can do anything. People always putting us on to stuff. I love that. Right. All right, Herb, you can share your reasoning. Okay, well, um, like I said before, I'm from Ghana, I'm Ghanaian, like, like Jasmine. And um, like when I was like, I mean, like a little before I was born and my dad had went to uh, A&T and he came here and did a uh, construction engineer. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't really like know about ANT too much growing up because he didn't really talk about it to be honest with you. But like, just me knowing that he went there, it made me like take a little look at it when I got to high school. When I like, I came out here to Greensboro like a couple times throughout high school. And I might not, I mean, I didn't necessarily come out here for ANT, but like I would always pass through and stuff like that. And I would see the campus and stuff and you know you just like y'all y'all said like you know you just feel like you're supposed to be there like you feel like you're at home you know what I'm saying so I was just like all right but so I'll take a look at it and I came on tour and then I really like started taking a liking to it because then I really started seeing the environment seeing how literally you know black people everywhere it's a great environment to be in so you feel me did your dad oh are you oh and yeah I mean obviously Eventually, my dad started influencing me. Okay, yeah. 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 That's really what, it was really like a feeling thing for me. Just me knowing about it, I was like, all right, let me just take a look at it. You feel me? So I'm glad I did. And I feel like we have like so many different stories and that kind of represents how much like Black people are not a monolith. You know, a lot of people say that or discourage Black students from going to HBCUs because they say like, oh, you're just going to be around Black people. It's not like the real world. But there's so many different types of Black people here. There's Black skaters. There's ghetto fabulous Black people. There's African people. Like it's just so many Black people under one roof creating so many ideas and doing so many creative things. Like we're currently in the SGA office and there's some pictures behind us of all the people who have served on SGA through their years at North Carolina A&T. And it's really amazing. And one thing that really stuck out to me about like all of us and all of what we talked about is really the culture at A&T. Like we are about our academics. We get the job done. You know, we have the engineers, we have the business school, we have liberal studies, we have all of that, but we also have a lot of fun and we have culture. Like Madison was saying, it just feels like a big black 
hype family. Like we're going to turn up. We have our special dances, our special songs. Like I didn't know that, you know, that how we do um, that Beyonce song before I let go. Well, well, she's not the original creator, but like, you know, that little clap clap thing we do, that's an A&T thing. I thought it was like just a remix that everyone does, but apparently when you leave A&T, they don't do that anymore. And things like black skaters, like us having those in front of the student center, I feel like our administration doesn't understand, like, that's what's drawing some people to come to A&T. Currently, we have signs in front of our students that they're saying no more black skaters. But imagine if Joseph hadn't seen those black skaters. Like, where would we be today? So I feel like it's really important to put an emphasis on the fact that, yes, academics are great here and they keep our school going, of course. But there's great things like the culture at A&T that keeps it going even more. Coming up, Jasmine and the Roundtable continue their conversation asking, why stay at NCANT? And later, in times like these, when so many people have so much to say about where we are racially in this country, what's the need of having a space that is culturally affirming? Let's take a break. Mark your calendars. On April 29th and 30th, Creed hosts the 2022 Teaching in Color Summit. This hybrid event is an opportunity for educators of color to connect and to envision a world that truly values their contributions and the students they serve. More information is coming soon. Be sure to follow the hashtag Teaching in Color on social media for updates. Welcome back to this episode of On the Margins, where we've been exploring the role of historically Black colleges and universities as culturally affirming institutions. Before the break, we had been listening to Creed volunteer Jasmine and a group of students from North Carolina A&T. Let's get back to it. So that kind of leads into my next question. Why do you keep choosing A&T? Like, why are you still here? I can start it off. So I would definitely just say the opportunities. Like um, every day in our email, it's new opportunities that I see. Um, I mean, sometimes it can be a little like a oh, lot. Wow. I know a lot. Like, it's giving spam. It a little intense, but at the same time, like when I do take the time to read all those emails and stuff, and I find something that fits me, it's like, dang, you know, if I went to PWI, I probably wouldn't be getting all these all these emails every day, you know, finding stuff that I'm interested in or like just, just for HBCU students. So for me, it's the opportunities. And also it's like my teachers, um, and my uh, department chair, like I've never had muscle time to just ask them questions, ask them advice, you know, about how I want to start my career. And I feel like, I don't know if I'll have that same connection with other teachers at the university. So that's why I keep choosing this, this institution. Yes, I mean, opportunities go so crazy. Madison could tell you about the iPad. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, as a freshman, I did receive an iPad. It's okay, calm, don't cry. But, <laughs> Some people got iPads too. <laughs> But like you said, like the emails opportunity that come through, like internships, like scholarships, it's like it's always in your email. So it's always something for you to do and like money coming to you easily. Like they're always they always have your back. And it's like the people here, like they make you want to stay like you. I meet new people every single day, every day, like every single day from even outside skate. And I don't need to skate, but I talk to them about <laughs> anything. It's just like 
It's just they always looking out for you. They always got your back about it with anything. I um I definitely resonate with like the opportunities thing. Um, my mentors actually have like set me up with a ton of opportunities, and my support network here is immaculate. Like I came in, and being a freshman, I um I didn't have a car, and I also like needed to eat outside of the cab food, so I needed a way to like get to Walmart and back. And that's when my mentor came in, and at first like I just got to know her from like going to Walmart and back, but over like the past year or so, um, I've been really close to my mentor and I've like, she's given me tons of advice with like my internships. I was struggling to like get my end of internship presentation together for my engineering internship over the summer. And she came through with a whole template for me and helped me like really prepare for that. Um, She's helping me deal with like professors that I butt heads with or if I'm just like having trouble prepping for tests and outside of that, like, even in my department, like, as I said, I have some professors that I really resonate with. And I can come to them for advice outside of academics. And I feel like it would be harder to connect with the professors and my, like, department staff if I weren't an HBCU and it wasn't such a close-knit community like what we have here. I mean, not to piggyback off everybody, but, like, the support system here is, like, very strong. Like, you know, like, you meet people here, all you meet all types of people all the time, and, like, you know, like, they don't even know you from a can of paint when they met you, but, like, they instantly, like, they're instantly with you, like, through, like, everything. Like, it's happened, like, with me so many times. Like, even today, I just saw somebody that I met, like, freshman year. I met him freshman year at uh, he was in the same department as me and I saw him at Walmart and you know like we was just talking and stuff and like I don't know it's like people had like we was just talking and stuff and like the like it was a good talk obviously I don't want to get into the details but it was like supportive and stuff and you know like I don't know I feel like you don't meet, you're not going to meet certain people like that outside of you know in HBC right none of us A&T you know what I'm saying like so I just feel like the kind of people that you meet, like the kind of connections that you build over here is like, you're not really going to get it anywhere else, to be honest. Right. So, I, I definitely I feel like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I had to, you feel me, obviously, but like, I wouldn't want to. Right. Like, I feel like in high school, I found myself, I thought like I was friends with these people, but it turns out I was, we, all the black kids were just hanging out together. Like that's what it is. But here, I don't have to hang out with everybody black because it's only 13,000 people that are black. Exactly. Everybody's black. So we're here creating, we're networking, we're getting opportunities. And like, when we talk about opportunities, there's been a very, there's been a rush of them since um, at least me, Ellington, and Joseph came to school because we came right after basically like, quote unquote, the George Floyd summer, Black Lives Matter, all of that. And I feel like more companies started getting interested in HBCUs and pouring into them. And we are the number one public HBCU and we're the largest as well. So with that, I do feel like we have been getting a lot of attention from these companies And personally, for me, like, I do think it's great to be exposing students to these companies. But I know, for me, at least, when I do go to the career fairs or when there are opportunities from these companies, I do tend to ask their employees, like, oh, why? Like, why is there sudden interest in my 
my school? Is it to fill a quota or is it to actually like pour into students and like care about black people in general? Because I feel like there's this whole conversation about diversity and inclusion, but I think it's really important to note that it shouldn't just be representation in your companies, but active representation. So I kind of wanted to hear what y'all thought about um, the trend of like high profile athletes signing to HBCUs and people donating like, do you think it's impacting our school in just a positive way, in a negative way, both? Thoughts? Okay. I will start off. Sometimes I'll be feeling like they do it to say, oh, yeah, we got them right there. Like, I right. don't feel like they do it to, like, be genuine. Yeah, okay, like, so. to bring us up. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like they be putting it out there to be like, oh, yeah, we support them. We support Blacks. We support HBCs. Like, I don't right. I don't ever feel like it's genuine. It's just tokenism. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that to a certain extent because, like, sometimes when that door is just wedged open, like, you just got you got to find a way in the door. And then afterwards, you can, you know, open it for others. So, like, yeah, some of this thing is just tokenism. Some of it is just to say we got black people here or whatever. But, like, I feel like it's our responsibility, you know, take those roles and do them to the best of our ability. So then next time it's not just like that. But I also want to say, like, it is a lot of new opportunities because of the George Floyd thing. But even before that, like companies will come to HBCU specifically to recruit black students. So it's not just because of that. But right. you know, that, it, that does play a large factor. Right. Do I want to add anything on or you disagree? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's yeah, I think it's both. Like, obviously, like you said, like it gets us in the door and it opens up new opportunities for the future and like on. But also sometimes it does feel like it's just like, like for like, because, you know, it's like the same companies that was just like doing maybe discriminatory things, Mm -hmm. you know, putting out certain things and stuff like that. So, you know, it just kind of looks funny. I agree. I freshman year when I was um, applying for internships and things like that, I had to be really careful about like this. Uh, yeah, because about, like, summer, you feel me? It really shows something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not to uh, cut you off. Yeah. <laughs> like, whether or not a company is, like, giving or bringing these opportunities and they, like, have a safe environment for, like, Black people mm-hmm. to actually prosper or if they just want to, like, get you in the door and then, like, kind of forget about you. Right. And if I'm going to, like, spend my time interviewing with a company to, like, get into that role and I really feel welcome, like, I... That's not a place I want to be. And right. I feel it just, it would make me frustrated to like know that those like, like those people or those companies are like coming to A&T and like having those students go to visit them because like that's valuable time and energy that you take away from that student. Right. And I feel like our school really has been getting a lot of attention too because we're like, top HBCUs, like if you want to be categorical, but there's so many smaller HBCUs that are struggling or just need extra help and attention. And I feel like now it's time for those companies to also pour into those. Like it shouldn't just be the same, you know, Spelman, Morehouse, A&T, Howard, Hampton. Like I feel like those FAMU, like those are the top ones that always get the most attention. Like we need some Bethune-Cookman, Fisk. Fisk just got a gymnastics. Yeah. Because like, even in like sports, like mm-hmm. over uh, the Christmas break, I don't know if y'all know or remember, like we had a game against Wilson Howard from, it was on like TNT. Mm-hmm. And um, they did one again over the weekend for uh, All-Star Weekend. I think it was Morgan State and Howard. 
So you feel me? Like, I get it. Like, that's good and all that. You know, they're picking us and stuff like that. But it feels like, you know, it's always like the same little like four schools and stuff. Like, you know, there's plenty of other HBCUs that got basketball teams. I'm right. pretty sure every HBCU got a basketball team. You know what I'm saying? Put them out there. So my last question for y'all is going to be, why is this space needed? Why do y'all feel like we need to keep on having an HBCU or A&T? Because a lot of people say, oh, we're not, we're no longer in the segregation period. So why not just make this a UNC system school that's not HBCU? Why do y'all think the institution still needed, if you think it is? I think that um, sometimes not necessarily referring to myself, but like some, some black people like coming up, like they don't, sometimes because of like how we, how we are in the world, we don't, some of us don't really have a sense of like identity <laughs> because a lot of people like have talked about how they've come to A&T and they've like really like found their sense of identity, found their self because you know, you around plenty of people like you that like various things. Like you said, we got black skaters, we got people that like we got gamers we got anything rappers. like you can think about rappers producers every everything Business, fashion people oh, right like it's plenty of fashion people you know what i'm saying like <laughs> you got everything so you feel me like i think that like it's a way for us to gain our identity like you know like we don't i mean minorities in general we don't have like I don't know, like, we don't have that, we don't have that, I mean, of course, we're not the majority in the world, that's what, what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. so you feel me, as the majority in the world, you're already made to feel comfortable in your space, because this is your space, but, you know, this isn't our space, so mm-hmm. we have to create our own. Right, yeah, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. Anyone else want to add on? Um, so I have a friend that goes to the University of Michigan, I was talking over winter break, and she was just saying, like, in some of her classes, you know, um, people would be, white people would be, like, still in her seat, and then, like, people would be, like, kind of, like, talking about her. If she asked a question, mm. it'd be, like, people snickering at her and stuff. And, like, it's classes where she's the only person of color in the class, and, like, she feels uncomfortable and, uh, and things like that. So it's hard to flourish in that type of environment, in an environment where every day, like, you're fighting for your voice to be heard. But, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, in a space like this, um, where you're surrounded by people that look like you, it just gives you much more motivation to flourish, much more motivation. Like you said, you know, be yourself and find your true identity. So I think HCUs are going to be needed, you know, as long as we're a minority in this country, um, but also just to preserve our rich culture too. I definitely agree. Like the culture is so rich. It's been rich. Like we, we were just looking at yearbooks and seeing like over the years, like what A&T was, what it is now. And also like, the, um, you talking about your friend reminded like me of high school. Like I tell people here, I hear affirm that I, I am smart. Like at school, like at, in high school, I was a smart black girl and I did not like that label. Now I'm, I'm still smart girl. Cause you know, it's not an all girl school, but <laughs> I know that like I'm smart and it's not just in the scale of blackness, which shouldn't even be a thing, but it's like, here you have you can have the ability to be your own person you don't have to have that added factor of oh i'm trying to represent the whole race whenever i speak because that's also a ridiculous thing to have to deal with constantly so yeah and then the culture like it is needed people 
people need to see what we're about. I mean, I was just at the basketball game. Madison was there too. Like it's it's a basketball game, but it's more than that. Like the band is at the basketball game. It's a social event. It's a social event. Uh, we got the dances in the stand. Like, why are we dancing in the stand during timeout? I don't know, but it's fun. Like, and that's that represents an HBCU. We do what we need to do, but we also have fun. I yeah, just having this like own space where I can be unapologetically black is really important. Like going through high school, I um I love I love a good do rag, love a good Dewey, a nice bandana, <laughs> a pick in my fro. Like if I was doing that in high school, like I was rocking do rags anyway. <laughs> but like you would get like these preconceived notions about you. But I could rock a do rag any day between like now and then of spring semester and I don't really care and I don't really yeah it's not like out of, out of the ordinary and I just love that type of environment I love being able to like go around and see my people see my people skating see my people being themselves in whatever light that may be and yeah just having that space and seeing everyone do their thing is just really important to me. That's something I always like had around. And it's not even just like skateboarders, it's roller skaters too, which I think is really cool. I'm a roller right, skater. Right. <laughs> That's so dope. Anything you think of. Yeah, anything you think of. And to hop off what you said with your friend at Michigan, when I was in ninth and 10th grade before I moved to Rock Hill, I went to a private school and it was like, it was, it was maybe like 400 students there and it was maybe 15 black students. Yes, and I was one of the 15. Wow. And it was like, I always got looked that weird. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not even gonna lie right now. I did try to fit in. Like, I did try to act white sometimes just to like be around them. Cause like, being like, I'm a social person. I'm like, I like to have fun all the time. So I like, I didn't like to be by myself. Right. But they always like looked at me weird. Like, this black girl, like, what is she doing? It's like, it was like, wow, like, y'all really get me like that. But when I went to Rock Hill, it was still, Rock Hill High School, it was still, majority white but it was more black and white like black white Mexican you know it was more diverse instead of like my private school he was just like coming to a with like thousands and thousands of black people like I could be myself and just just it flourished in many different ways it was just like it's yeah so like it's just beautiful like I feel like I needed this space to help my mind grow and it's really not even about like this institution and what they teach us. It's the people here who teach me so many different things and so many different ways of thinking that like I wouldn't have thought of if I was at any other institution, I feel like. Like here is really the place to be. And HBCU is really where a black person can learn so much. And um, I just think it's a really amazing thing that every black person should go through. It's like you should always have it in your mind, like always have it in consideration because like one thing to always remember as a black person thinking about going to an HBCU is that the sole goal of an HBCU is the progression of black people. That's really right? beautiful. So that is so you know beautiful. You're always the top priority being there. So why not? Thanks to our guests on this episode, Octavian Lloyd, Minnie Fort Brown, Jasmine Amini Ampong, and the crew from NCANT. And thank y'all for listening. We'll see you next time.